welcome to episode number 12 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. And today, Dan, what are we breaking down? This week, we are counting down the 10 best songs performed in a film. So these are songs that are performed, sung, reenacted by a person in the film that they occur in. So it's not, uh, it can't be like a lip sync. Like we said earlier, Dave, uh, we were talking we were talking about uh, Ferris Bueller with Twist and Shout. We we're like, ah, he doesn't really perform it, though, does he? He just kind of lip syncs it. Yeah. So it doesn't count. That's a tough one because it's such a great, fun scene. But it is. yeah, it doesn't, it, it's not him actually singing. No, he's not singing. You couldn't do a live show like that at a parade. That would be insane. No, and they also, you know, they did that in one take. The parade scene? Yeah, one take. Well, I mean, how long could you shut down that much of Chicago for? That's a great point, but that's still impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, so I don't know. I. We didn't talk about too many other restrictions, but I definitely didn't include... Well, there's no animated movies in here. Um, and there's no movies, at least on my list, where, like, it's... No, like, musicals, basically. Like, if the entire song movie is somebody singing, I didn't include it. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. Like, I don't have anything from, like, uh, like a Hamilton or a... Pitch Perfect. Yeah, Pitch Perfect, or even, like, a... Uh, I wouldn't even call Pitch Perfect a musical. No, but it... But, like, you know, like, Les Mis or something like that or, like... Yeah, but it was a movie that's mostly songs. I didn't include anything because, I don't know, I wanted, I wanted like, the unexpected ones. All right, I definitely have... I you definitely, definitely have one. I definitely have a couple of movies that are mostly songs. Wait. Eh, who cares? Well, well it I, doesn't matter because I probably would... We never would do that yeah, list. Or there, there are movies about musicians making music. So, like, there's oh, going to be music in it. Yeah, that's di- that's different. That's different to me. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. I would have I would have included that if you said I was said like, so. damn, Dave, you just excluded like half my fucking list. No, no, no. Just like pitch perfect where it's like clearly this movie is going to be just like mostly songs. Yeah. Not like it's different to me. Okay. Yeah. It just is. Dan, what are some B sides? Because this is a really tough one to narrow down, and I know we both had a lot of really good extras. Yeah, so some B sides for me are uh Fever Dog by Stillwater, the fictional band from Almost Famous. Uh, the songs are written by, uh, I believe it's Nancy Wilson of Heart and uh, Peter Frampton and recorded by, there's some other artists involved in different songs, but they wrote most of the music for that, uh, as well as Paul Dano, uh, who played uh, Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy, does a incredible stripped down, just him and piano version of God Only Knows. That is, it's heartbreaking and incredible and... The scene is him it showing it to his father, who, if you know anything about the Wilsons, their dad is a massive, abusive piece of shit. So it's really a dark kind of scene, but really great at the same time. And then also uh, Caravan from the end of Whiplash, which is the scene where he just starts ripping this insane drum solo right in J.K. Simmons' face. He's just like, fuck you, man, I'm doing this. And it's like the most like revolutionary moment, revelatory moment of his life of the full realization of being pushed that hard actually did make him great. And it's, it's such a powerful scene and the drum solo fucking shreds. It really is. It's out. It's otherworldly. It's great. So Dave, uh, what, what, what didn't make it for you? Nice. Um, so I had a couple, couple not as serious ones or from, from not as serious movies like, um, afternoon delight from anchorman. Um, <laughs> that perfect four-part harmony. Yeah, uh, Wayne's World, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, We're the Millers when the guy 
sings waterfalls in the bus. That that was hilarious. Shout in Animal House, uh, also from Almost Famous, Tiny Dancer. Um, and then from some serious movies, um, Singing in the Rain uh, from Clockwork Orange. That's a pretty fucking wild scene. Um, Deer Hunter, when they sing I Love You Baby in the bar, like right before their whole world goes to shit. Um, oh, and basically anything the house band does in Roadhouse. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's that guy's name? I Jeff for- Healy. Yes. Is his name, the blind guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. So good. The Jeff uh, Healy band. Yeah. And uh, Spinal Tap. That that whole movie's full of great stuff. <laughs> Big Bottom. Talking mud flaps, man. My girl's got them. Such a great. <laughs> such a great movie. Uh, Hustle and Flow, too. That was that uh, had some good oh, parts. Oh, whoop that trick. Yeah. Yep. That was, they won a Grammy for that, for best yeah. original score. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. I don't, anything else would give away other parts of our list. So, um, yeah, lots of good ones, lots of last minute changes for both of us, I think. So with that said, why don't we get into it? Dan, what do you have up for us? All right, Dick. So my first pick is the song Smokestack Lightning. Uh, the song from the film Cadillac Records released in 2008 was performed in the movie by Eamon Walker, who many of you may know uh, from the show, the HBO series Oz, where he played Saeed, um, who was the leader of the uh, Nation of Islam inside the prison. Uh, But in this movie, he played Howlin' Wolf. And he is a spot-on lookalike. It's so good. He's much more handsome than Howlin' Wolf was, which you find in just about every movie. That the the, uh, the person playing them that was chosen to play them as in the film is much better looking than the original person. Cough Johnny Cash, cough Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, but this song is, or the sorry, the film is about um, Chess Records, who uh, Leonard Chess, who was played by Adrian Brody in the movie, um, hires a blues duo that he meets of Muddy Waters and Little Walter, uh, played by Jeffrey Wright and Columbus Short, and he basically through their success gets to sign more artists and it shows the expansion of chess records through signing uh etta james played by beyonce and uh helen wolf who obviously is eamon walker and chuck berry who's played by most deaf but in the scene where he performs this it's so good man helen wolf like tells muddy waters you got to clear out of the studio man this is my fucking space we're doing my song and then he goes no 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 leave your girlfriend in here i want to sing to her and sits her at a chair right in the middle of the room and just rips this this song like right to her the whole time and Muddy Waters is behind the glass talking shit like I'm gonna cut you in a thousand pieces you motherfucker like all this stuff and he's like pulling his knife out and they're like Muddy he can't hear you through the glass he goes oh he can hear me he can definitely hear me and it starts with their like almost adversarial relationship that they show throughout the rest of the movie uh, so with that, Dave, what is, uh, what's your pick for the, I guess the first choice you have for, uh, songs performed in the movie? Yep. All right. So up for number me at number five is You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers, most famously performed in Top Gun. That's right. Back-to-back movies where I'm making Top Gun references, but this scene is just, it's fun as hell. It it's, really is, man. It's just great. So... If you haven't seen the movie, I don't know how that's possible. Um, but he, Tom Cruise, spots somebody at the bar after Goose tries to bet him twenty dollars that he can't uh, have sex with somebody 
upon one of the army bases. And as he's like going to accept the, the bet, this girl walks in and he tells Goose that she's lost that love and feeling, yeah. signaling to him. Cue that, it up for me, Goose. Yeah, that he, he needs his wingman in every aspect of life. Goose was the greatest wingman of all time in so many ways. R.I.P. Goose. Uh, R.I.P. Um, and yeah, then they they walk over and just start singing the song. He yeah, steals almost, the mic. It's almost like karaoke style. Yeah, it's weird because like there's just some, like a plugged in microphone just on the ground. Yeah, it's, it's like really strange. I don't know. <laughs> he just gets fed it from like behind him. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody just tosses it off screen like somehow. Yeah. Um, it's like the opposite of the Prince guitar when he gets done playing. Yeah. Someone just chucks a mic to him. It's it's I don't know how. Or what what it was there for? Nobody else sang at the bar, but anyway, um, like there wasn't even a band. I yeah, don't there was think. no live band. There's no nobody playing. They Why was it plugged it on in? a jukebox? And yeah, he just started singing. <laughs> um, How many times do you think he ran that scenario? Because when he says it, Goose goes like, "Oh no, man, I hate when she does that." Well, he does. So she asks him that afterwards, and oh, she okay. says, "How many yeah. times have you done?" How many times have you tried this move? And he says twice. And she says, how did it go the first time? And he said, it blew up in flames oh. in my face. She goes, what about the second time? And he said, I'll let you know tomorrow morning. That's pimp. S such that's, a smooth Tom smooth, Cruise line. Yeah. Smooth operator. Yeah. Um, it's just so great that the whole bar gets involved singing it too with them. And it's just, it, as far as like pick, pick up lines go, I guess you could call it that. He yeah, definitely had like 200 wingmen. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. So, well, it sort of backfires on him immediately because he doesn't realize that she's secretly his instructor. But that's hilarious. Um, also, I kind of picked this one over some others because there's also the scene in the movie where Goose is singing Great Balls of Fire at the piano right before he dies. Yeah, to his wife. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that was cool because that's also a great scene and a memorable scene for this movie. Um, so I thought th that having two kind of cool performing and and in, in this case it was both of them saying it too so that was that was cool yeah and then um tom cruise does come over and join him at the piano and sings a little yeah. bit after uh, anthony edwards is fucking awesome yeah he needs to be in more stuff has he i don't even know he what... was in er is that the last thing he's been he in? he was dr noah remember he had the brain i don't know if you haven't seen er sorry to spoil but like that was this big i'm art. definitely not going back and watching yeah ER. he's uh, it, it was great it was the first like I guess it's not the first. The first big medical drama yeah, that I remember seeing. People love those shows. But yeah, he was great on it, and he needs to be in more stuff. People love those shows, and people love their fighter plane movies. Yeah. He was Gun. also in uh, Revenge of the Nerds, too. He oh, was he Gilbert. The he's Gilbert? Yep. Holy shit, I never put that together. Maybe he's not Gilbert. He might be the other one. No, that's Gilbert. The taller one with the glasses. Okay, who, then yes, They, like, take Gilbert. his covers off in the beginning, and he's fully dressed in his nerd clothes. Yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so Top Gun, great, great movie. Can't believe I got to talk about it two weeks in a row. I'm so pumped about that. Um, yeah, all right. So Dan, what do you have up next for us? Next track. This is definitely going to be the hardest song on our list here. Uh, this is Nazi Punk's "Fuck Off." Uh, this is performed originally by the Dead Kennedys, so released in 1981. Uh, that used to come with a sleeve wrapped around the seven-inch record with a giant swastika with an X through it crossed out with Nazi punks fuck off for huge uh, which is awesome and incredible uh, but this song I'm choosing uh, was from the movie Green Room in 2015 and performed by the band The Ain't Rights uh, the film and the band is uh, Anton Yelchin Aaliyah Shawcat aka Maybe from Arrested Development and Joe Cole aka um, I can't 
forget uh, what's his name on there. John on uh, Peaky Blinders. Oh so yeah. John Shelby on Peaky Blinders. But this is before Peaky Blinders came out, so people didn't really know him that. Uh, but an English actor who also appears on that show. And the movie's about a band that is on tour and gets a date canceled. So they're offered a backup date that they can play at a what is referred to as a uh, bracers and boots type place. So it's almost like it's in set in the Pacific Northwest, and so it's like a white supremacist like neo-Nazi bar club that they end up performing at. Which they don't know. Which they didn't. Well, they they were like warned that it was like gonna be a little skinheady. And they were like, as long as you don't like go in there and like start trying to shit, like you should be okay. And they're like, all right. So they show up and they see that it is very skinheady. And they are about to take the stage. And Anton Yelchin, RIP, yep. uh, also in this, uh, this was actually his last film. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask that. I think I was going to say, I'm pretty sure this was the last one he made. Last one he acted in. He was a voice actor in an animated film before he passed, um, but okay. this was the last film released for him. Um, acting, but he rounds his band up and he goes, all right, guys, so for the set list, he's like, I'm thinking something a little crazy, but just go with me. And they immediately come out on stage and go into Nazi punks fuck off. And the whole crowd starts booing them and throwing shit and hating them. And they finish the song and they're flipping everybody off. And then they go into the next song and it hits almost like a... Uh, it hits almost like a montage of the rest of their set. And it shows that all the people in there like kind of 180 and they start like really loving them. And it shows a moshing and like chugging beers and having a great time and like really digging them and clapping when they get off stage and everything. And then the plot of the movie is as soon as they get off stage and walk back into the green room, they witness somebody being murdered. And when they witness that all of a sudden it becomes this, like lockdown scenario where the Nazis decide the neo-Nazis decide that they can't let them leave because they witnessed this murder and they're going to have to kill them and get rid of the bodies. And it just descends into madness from there. It's such a great movie, such an interesting new spin kind of horror flick that I haven't seen before or witnessed. And you definitely need to see it. It is so good. And Patrick Stewart yeah, I was just gonna takes say that. a turn as the head neo-Nazi, bro, and he is so vicious and evil. Yeah, and he plays it so well. He plays it so good, man, and he's so scary looking, and it's so out of character for Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I mean, fucking Picard, Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, What right. are you doing? He's a skinhead? Professor Xavier, a, man. Yeah, he's got a bomber jacket on. He's, like, talking, like, military terms to these dudes. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but definitely see it and definitely love the band because they have a few songs on there that are just – they are outstanding, fast, intense punk songs that are great. That uh, This was the song, though, that really I feel like embodied the spirit of what the band was supposed to be about. You know, being uh, you know, a band of mixed gender and race of being like, you know, man, we're not with this shit at all. Like, fuck these people. Yep. And so they just rip that song, give everyone the finger, and then say, we're going to make you love us anyway because we're that good. So it was great. So, uh, Dave, with that, what's your uh, what's your next pick? Yeah, I, I, I do want to make the, the comment I said to you earlier, too, about how someone on Twitter, right when uh, Green Book came out, they were like, I wonder how many people accidentally looked up Green Book and watched Green Room by accident on Netflix. 
And I feel like there's probably so many people that did by accident and just were just horrified. I would at love what they to saw. see. It. I would love to have been in any I would of those rooms. Love to watch like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Thank who you. Who was going... just looking for a nice casual white savior film? Yep. Best and picture then comes winner. Comes across Green Book. <laughs> oh, that comes would across be great. Green Room. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I remember that's that kid from the Star Trek movies, right? Yep. Oh, and, and there like, goes his arm. What yep. the hell? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Oh, that would be so good. Why are there Nazis? Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. So up at number four for me is "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" by Michael Jackson, performed in Rush Hour Two. Um, so another reason, <laughs> another entry for me where there's multiple. Actually, it's not in, in the same movie, but. Between Rush Hour 1, when the little girl sings Fantasy by Mariah Carey in the backseat of the car, just annoys the people trying to kidnap her. Oh, yeah. And then this scene, I just I needed to put a Rush Hour movie in there. I, I know they're not, like, the most serious movies, but I fucking love them. And no, they're, they're fantastic they're so good. buddy cop films. Yeah, they're great. And this, this scene is so fucking great. And the second one, they're in China, and they go to this, like triad run well they're they're in hong kong hong kong that's right that's right that's right yeah in this triad run bar and the song's on and and chris tucker's just dancing the entire time they're in the bar and they're not supposed to be there on any police business because he's technically on vacation so they're not supposed to be doing anything but <laughs> legally you can't operate in another country yeah definitely as a cop. and i think they they told Jackie Chan not to um, not to be on the case if memory serves so they went in there they weren't supposed to and Jackie Chan kind of like hides that from Chris Tucker and tells him they're just going out to eat um, so Chris Tucker is just letting loose having a great time he sees this guy just completely botching the song yeah, on karaoke yeah. just doing the worst job the and, and yeah he just takes the mic and he's up there singing and dancing in front of all of these people and they're just at first they look like horrified at him and then like he keeps singing and he does like a really good job and all of a sudden like all the girls are up on stage dancing with him and he's just like singing and just like kind of, now he's just like making up some of his own words to it too just it's it's such a great scene and and then Jackie Chan comes back and he's like sing talking to him like Jamon Jack yeah Jamon like he's talking to him it's so fucking good oh my gosh and then yeah then they try to arrest everybody and he tells <laughs> when he's up there he, he tells him to translate he goes all right all the gangsters and the ugly women on this side and all the pretty women on the right and then Jackie Chan just doesn't listen to him obviously because that's ridiculous but yeah just such a great fun scene fun movie i just love it buddy cop movies are just great in general and and we <laughs> we actually made up a drinking game one time with this movie and you and i and yeah. and one other person and at least one other person and one of the drinks was any time that there was like a clear racial difference between the two and yeah, they like, like said something like, jackie chan didn't understand or yeah, someone or vice versa someone yeah didn't understand jackie chan yeah or he didn't understand us like yeah. our culture or something and then, yeah that was great and then every time chris tucker said man that got yeah, us every time he said man that, that every time us. somebody had a gun taken from them or just a gun on the screen too i think with one of them uh, that was probably a lot of drinking man. yeah it was yeah it definitely was and it, but it was worth it it was fun as hell um 
Oh, and we were talking about it earlier. Like, the outtakes from this movie are some of the funniest shit. They're the best part. Like, you gotta sit through the credits of these because they're incredible. Like, yeah. (laughs) Good, 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 Give it, give it, Felder. Or when he tries to like say the phrase in like in Chinese at the end, and Mandarin and Jackie Chan's like, "You can't say three words. I've been speaking English this entire movie, and it's like my fourth language." He's like, you can't do three words. And he's like, shut up, man. Stop making fun of me. But, uh, yeah, they're they're incredible. All right. Um, that was my pick. Dan, what's up next for you? Okay, so my third pick is a little short boy, a little quick one. Um, this is Hard Time Killing Floor Blues. Uh, this was performed by Chris Thomas King from the film Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? in 2000. Uh, this is a Coen Brothers film, uh, so obviously it's great. Mm-hmm. And is a giant, um, I guess analogy is not the right word, but I'm dumb and I don't know what the proper word is, uh, for uh, the Odyssey, yep. for Homer's The Odyssey. Uh, that This is, George Clooney is basically Odysseus in his journey to get back to his wife um, after fleeing the war and the war being prison um, in this film. So this is a song originally sung uh, by an artist named Nehemiah Curtis James, who went by Skip James. The song was recorded in 1967, and he is a uh, American Delta blues singer. Uh, his guitar playing, though, the big thing about it is it's noted for being really dark and in minor key that he would play an open D minor tuning. Kind of uh, unusual for a lot of classic, like famous songs that you know. Um, but it's literally one of the greatest blues songs ever written. It's just very somber and sad and slow. It's incredible. Um, and in the movie, the four characters are at the fireside after escaping prison, and they are talking about what they're going to do once they get to the treasure that George Clooney told them that they're questing for and what they're going to spend their money on and where they're going to go with it and everything like that. And... The character Tommy, who uh, the singer plays, who uh, Chris Thomas King plays, is basically supposed to be Robert Johnson, where he meets them and tells them that he sold his soul to the devil to learn to play the guitar. And they're sitting campfireside talking, and he's just kind of strumming this song to himself in the darkness. And it's like heartbreaking and incredible. And there are some very famous songs from this film. Uh, they're a cover of. I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow, won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Uh, but this song, I feel like, still stays with me more than that did and is a little less of a obvious pick. So that's why I chose this song. Yeah. Dude, this movie's so good. I, we're both Dapper Den, man, so. Yeah. I mean, it's got so many great, like, quotable lines that mm-hmm. I'll say literally daily, like, dang, boys, we in a tight spot. Yeah, or, or I seen him first. Yeah, I seen him. Do not seek the treasure. <laughs> or the greatest line that he has when he goes to the store and he's like, uh, "I need some hair cream." He's like, "We only got fop." Okay. And he goes, "Well, I'm a Dapper Dan man. Okay. I only wear Dapper Dan. I can order it for you, but it'll take two weeks." He's like, "All right. Well, how about this? Well, we only got this stuff, but if I can order it for you, but it'll take about two weeks." He just goes, "Wasn't this place a geographical anomaly?" Two weeks from everywhere. (laughs) And it's like the greatest line. And the guy just, he makes this great, that great joke. And the guy just deadpan stares at him and gives him no reaction. And it still makes me laugh every time. 
Um, fun fact, I actually recorded at the same studio where that soundtrack was made in Nashville. Really? Yeah. Sound That's Emporium. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for like a week maybe, so many years ago now. But yeah, yeah, I was down there. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, they had it like a uh, a record of it hanging up. Like yeah, it was the, a like, huge hit, man. Yeah, like it, one I mean, of like it, the, the ones you get when you accomplish something. Yeah, the ones you get when you sell 100,000 <laughs> records. Yeah. One of those ones? Like one of those ones. Yeah, exactly yeah, like one nice. of those ones. Yeah, it was cool. But you get people that come into the record store I work all the time, and they're like, hey, if I wanted to get one of those like gold record plaques, where would I get one of those? I'm like, from the record company that released the song you wrote that sold 100,000 copies. Yeah. And I was like, you don't just get those, man. Like, it's like going going to Alabama and asking where you can buy a Heisman Trophy. Yeah, and then I'm like, you yeah. know what, man? There's probably some asshole on Etsy that's making them, so just go there. Yeah, yeah, somebody just definitely spray is. painting records with spray paint. Yeah, definitely. And putting them in a shadow box, but like, <laughs> well, I was like, you can't just get those. Like, you have to sell a hundred thousand records yeah. to get one. Some of things those. you have to learn, earn in life. Yeah, like those aren't just like it's not you know it's not a show poster, man. Yeah. Like those are really expensive and hard to get. All right, so with that, Dave, uh, what's your next pick for songs from a film? So uh, performed in a film. Yep. Uh, up next for num- for me uh, is Wise Up by Amy Mann, um, which is performed um, in the movie Magnolia by all of the main characters, essentially. Um, so this is a, a very great movie. It's definitely very unique and different, as a lot of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies are. Um, it had a pretty wild ensemble cast. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, R.I.P., Tom Cruise, Julianne Moore, um, John C. Riley. Oh, his his story arc uh, was probably my favorite. In the movie. John C. Riley's, yeah, as the cop, as the cop who loses his gun. And, yeah, oh, so good. William H. Macy's in it too, and so like, basically, if you haven't seen the movie, and I'm sure a lot of people haven't, um, actually, Amy Mann did most of the songs on the soundtrack. Um, she does a cover of the song One that's kind of the opening track of the the movie um that's really good and um that she's actually the inspiration or part of the inspiration for the movie itself she and paul thomas anderson are friends and he said that he was listening to a song um and there was some lyrics that she said that actually get used in the movie too uh and those were now that you've met me would you object if you never saw me again which is what um the one girl, girl character says to John C. Riley after they go on their first sort of date kind of thing. Um, basically, this movie is about a bunch of people who some interact with each other, some don't. Um, but they all have like something really fucked up about them from their past that's kind of like haunting their adult life or their life now. Um, like the one girl is like sexually abused by her dad. Um, the one William H Macy's character was like a child, uh, like a Jeopardy kind of show. He won a lot of money, but his parents essentially like stole it all from him. So they all have these really like kind of fucked up things about their lives that they're trying to like work through. And it's at the point in the movie where they're all kind of realizing that they're like they need help or they need to change something. And it kind of goes through, and you see all pretty much all of the main characters singing part of this song as it plays and it's just like a really really cool moment in the movie for me i love the song i it's the first song of hers that i ever really fell in love with and it's just perfect in the movie it's her voice is perfect on it everything about it was just great and and the fact that it got to play such a huge role in kind of each character's story arc was really cool to me too yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is 
probably arguably like so i remember uh, a friend of mine bill he asked me a long time ago he was like who do you prefer paul thomas anderson or the cohen brothers and i said that's definitely an interesting question i feel like that's up there with like a beatles and stones question um, where both have like so many great films, yeah, and then also some weird films that didn't quite hit, yeah. But definitely, I think the Coen Brothers are definitely more lighthearted in ways that sometimes yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson movies are definitely more dark. But I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson also made fucking Boogie Nights. Yeah, but there's that's a dark movie, and like, like it's really fucked up. And Inherent Vice, yeah, is kind of I don't know. So Inherent Vice for me is the one from Paul Thomas Anderson that I would say is like a bit of a miss. But yeah. I know some people that love his films think that movie's brilliant and really, really like it. And I'm like, I just, I feel like I got done two and a half hours and was like, what the fuck just happened? That's the other thing. It's just like some of them, and this one's very long too. Magnolia is a very long movie. Um, yeah, I think this but is like worth, three plus hours, It right? definitely is. Yeah, this, this song was, comes in like two and a half hours into the movie, I think. And this was when, that was when movies weren't that long. Movies no. were an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. That's a long time to ask somebody to sit down. Anymore. Yeah, that's. Like, I mean, it's like Titanic. Like yeah. when that came out, like I remember going to the video store and it was three VHSs. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. That's like a who long, wants to watch this? That's a long ass movie. It's like uh, the Godfather. You know what I mean? Where it'd be the it was the two VHS pack. Yeah. Or uh, I remember it was six laser discs. Jesus. <laughs> that's how, that's how you know actually... laser discs were a bad idea if you needed six of them. Oh, they're so so. At my job, we we got like a collection of them from this guy. Oh we we're gosh. like, oh, maybe somebody will buy these because they're like classic films. Nobody ever fucking touched them. Yeah, of course. Because like, what do you, what do you do? What are you hanging on the wall? Nobody wants to know. change movies five times. Yeah, like, oh, you know what I'd love about DVDs if I had to get up and change them every twenty minutes. Right? Yeah, like a record is fine because it's short. It's not your entire night. Yeah. Like you can change it. Like, like you know, say it's it's two things double sided. That's not the end of the world because you're probably standing up doing stuff anyway. I mean, most people aren't now probably sitting down. Maybe you are. I don't know. You can listen to music however you want. Who am I to tell you? But you're definitely <laughs> sitting down watching a movie. If you're standing up watching a three and a half hour movie, then you're fucking weird. I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know why that would happen, but that just really weirded me out thinking about that. Just stand, just, just someone standing, standing there for, with your arms crossed just for three and a half hours. <laughs> for three and a half hours, like this plot better make sense. Yeah, or just like loving it and still standing. That's just so weird to me. I don't. I bet nobody does that, but I don't know yeah, why I thought of that. So, Paul Thomas Anderson, gun to your head. Which do you prefer, Magnolia or There Will Be Blood? Oh. Oh. Um, ugh. I think Magnolia. I, okay. Oh, man. There Will Be Blood is perfect. I go the other way. I feel like There Will Be Blood, is pro- for me, is probably his Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. Hmm. I think that is... Not only is his direction and his cinematography unbelievable, but, I mean... Man, that is tough. I mean, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis is also unmatched in that he, film. That's the peak of his acting, I like, would say. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm an oil man. Yeah. Like, of course, with my son H.W. here. You're like, oh, even just like no. Even just, like, little little scenes, like the one where it's just, like, zooming him in on him in the ocean as he's just, like, staring. Yeah. It's just like, oh, my... Like it's just, And then the end, obviously. Or just... I mean, like, what? who the else end? could make a line... Like I drink your milkshake. I drink it. I up. drink it up. Yep. And then, <laughs> and you were scared. Like, and it wasn't funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? You were like, "Fuck." Yeah. That scene's <laughs> intense, man. Both of those actors, Paul Dano and, and Paul him. Dano, oh my god! I mentioned in my in my cuts for Love and Mercy. Yeah. Paul Dano <sighs> is the reason I was excited 
about the new Batman before mm. a trailer even came out. They were like, oh, Paul Dano is going to be in this movie. I was like, it'll probably be great. It's got a chance. doesn't really make it, shit movies. It's got a chance. Yeah, he really doesn't. And since the trailer came out, I'm like, fuck, this is going to be the greatest movie ever. Yeah, I love, um, that, I love that they, they used um, Something in the Way by Nirvana. Yeah, as the Something theme. in the Way. Oh, Even though now, now a lot of people are going to know about that song. So, like, I'm a little bit, like, cool kid. You, you discovered my, like, <laughs> secret stash. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, that's definitely not a talked about Nirvana song that I absolutely uh, it, love. It fit the... That it's slow, perfect. The slow roll of him walking in with the underneath. Oh, it's so good. So good. Anyway, we're getting very yeah, off topic. Yeah, very off topic. All right, Dan, what do you have up next for us? All right, so number two. Now, when you attach, when you take a look at the playlist this week, this song is not going to be on there because for some fucking reason, the whole soundtrack for this film is not on Spotify or Apple Music. It's a giant travesty. It's got to be something to do with rights to certain songs or something like that, or none such didn't want to pay royalties for some of these because most of them are like traditionals. So you don't really, you know, they're folk songs. You don't have to pay anybody to play these songs. But I guess there's a few that you probably do. So they're not on there. But this is a folk song that dates back to like, uh, I think 1935 in Appalachia is one of the earliest recordings of this. This song is called The Death of Queen Jane, and it was performed by Oscar Isaac playing the character Lewin Davis from the Coen Brothers 2013 film Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, this song is a heartbreaking story about Queen Jane, who was Henry uh, VIII's wife, who in the story of the song and not it took a little bit of liberties with the story of how she died, but essentially birthed him a son but died in giving birth to that son and was asking to do a cesarean birth to help her but that was refused and the line in the song is if i'm to lose the flower of england i must lose the branch too just letting her know the only thing important about you is that you birth me a son and it's a heartbreaking song that is sung in heartbreaking fashion in the movie when Lewin Davis makes his way all the way to Chicago in this like long-winded, like exhaustive journey across from New York City to Chicago. Um, and he performs this song um, in front of the Chicago club owner named Bud Grossman, who also has a record label and could sign him and could really put him on and make his career worth something. And he performs the song in front of him it is jaw-dropping great it is so emotional and then bud grossman responds immediately with yeah i don't hear a lot of money in this and he goes like what and he's like i mean you're not green you know you're pretty good but uh you know maybe if you if i put you in a trio you could shave your beard down to a goatee maybe we could do something with you and he just goes okay and he just goes like i guess i'll you know i guess fuck this folk music thing i'm out of here uh, the movie is all about that singer, uh, Lewin Davis, and it centers around him being a folk singer based on the life of Dave Von Ronk, Van Ronk, sorry, who was a Greenwich Village folk singer in the 60s. And so it's basically Greenwich Village 1960 before the folk music explosion. So before a lot of these guys started making money doing this, and it's kind of the story of him, of this man who sings songs at the gaslight and the film resolves with Bob Dylan coming in 
to the Gaslight to perform his first set there and plays one of the songs that Lewin was playing the whole time, uh, being Fare Thee Well, and does his Dylan version of it. And it just kind of, the film ends with that, of showing that like, oh, this is the next step coming. Maybe he'll get big, maybe he won't, maybe he'll stick with it, maybe he doesn't. But the film is so good. It's shot incredibly. Like, it's almost got this, like, 60s blurry. I, I don't know. When I picture the 60s, everything's just kind of blurry. And the film has that has that look to it. And Oscar Isaacs studied with musicians for, like, six months. Though he was already able to play guitar, he learned how to play all these songs himself and sing them himself. So he looked like he... They said, how long have you... Uh, how long have you been playing guitar? And he said, oh, like 15 years. And the guy said, no, no, that's how long you've owned a guitar. <laughs> After seeing him play. And then taught him, he's like, if you're going to play a musician from my era in my business, you're going to look like you know how to play guitar. Nice. And so he spent like months with him learning how to play the way he should. And then all the music in the film is performed by either himself or the other artists. Uh, Justin Timberlake's in there. Um, What's his name? I can't, Adam Driver oh. is in it and is very goofy in his role. Uh, but it's really, really great. Highly recommend you see the movie. Another Coen Brothers film uh, like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? So it also seems to be a running thing that the Coen Brothers have phenomenal music in their movies. Yeah. It's definitely a thing that they do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with that, Dave, what's your, uh, what's your number two? All right. Um, up at number two for me is, like you, a folk song and a difficult one to find for the list. But I'll put one a version on here that's, I guess, closest to how it comes through in the movie. The song is called Plastic Jesus. Um, I don't know. It's I have a version here by Tia Blake. I, I don't know who wrote this, if she did, or if it's just like another old folk song that just kind of like doesn't have an owner. I, I, I can't remember, but... Um, the version um, that I'm thinking of, of the song Plastic Jesus, is from the movie Cool Hand Luke. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies, it's um, Paul Newman is kind of like, um, kind of like a, uh, like a Jesus-y kind of character for um, this uh, jail in Florida in, I guess, the 60s, around the same time. And it's kind of like him teaching... Like, kind, in a way, teaching these prisoners how to like live and do things differently, and and it's just an awesome movie. He um, um, grew up with just his, his mother in his life, and um, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling any any of this for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, but um, she gets sick while he's in the jail and passes away, and when he gets the letter telling him that his mom passed away. Um, he obviously gets upset and picks up his only possession in life, which is a banjo, and um, starts playing and singing this song to himself while the other prisoners kind of give him space. And he speeds it up the second time he goes through it, and, and you can see tears coming down his face. It's just a really powerful scene from just a really, really incredible movie. Um, it's... Very unexpected to see anything musical in it when it first starts. Um, and he, he does an awesome job. Paul Newman was just a superstar, man. He he was such a great actor. Obviously, he does all the ch or did all the charity charity stuff before he passed away, too. Just just an all-around person that I was a huge fan of. And um, 
with the fact that I got to pick somebody singing really just by themselves in this. Like, the, the banjo, he just kind of, like, lightly strums, so it's really just his voice. It's really cool. Um, just just, an, just a, a nice, great old song performed perfectly, I thought. No, and Cool Hand Luke is, I mean, Paul Newman and Cool Hand Luke is incredible. Yeah. Uh, he's, I mean, he's great and everything, but Cool Hand Luke is definitely, I'm sure if you pulled up one of those IMDb, like 200 movies to see before you died, mm-hmm. if it's not in the top 50, I'd be shocked. Has to be. Uh, because it's just, it's so great, man. And yeah. showing the daily mistreatment that these people received in these prisons in the South mm-hmm. in the 60s and how he kind of showed the people in the prison that, you know, you're still men, like you're still human. You yeah. still deserve like rights and yeah, he, yeah. The yeah, fact they can't that, treat you like this, right? And the fact that after he gets shot in the end, and the um, warden refuses to take him to the local hospital, and instead makes them go to um, the prison hospital, which is like over double the distance away, uh, just shows you how little they care for these people's lives. And it was just like, you know, he's been such a problem. He, I just want him dead, basically. Yeah. Still and, making that same cool Luke smile. Yeah. Oh, man. He was, uh, yeah, that's the scene where he just, like, gets the shit beaten out of him by, um, oh, what's that by character's Boss name? Keen. No, by the, the other inmate. And then and then he tricks them. So he just keeps getting getting the shit kicked out of him, keeps getting up, and then the guy, like, eventually just, like, walks away. He's like, he's had enough. Like, I can't, I can't kill this man. And then he beats another character in a card game with, like, nothing. And has one of the greatest lines in movies. And he's like, what, how, how'd you do that? He's like, you had nothing. And Paul Newman responds, sometimes nothing can be a really cool hand. It's just yep. just one of those classic movie lines that... That that and the, the, the scene where the wardens like dis, uh, describe it, the, what we've got here is failure to communicate, yeah. which was used in the beginning of War Civil by? War. Civil by War Guns by Guns N' Roses, Roses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, great. Obviously very impactful if, if you know it's being used in... A very famous song. Yeah, that I mean, that summer Florida heat, and them going, "Oh, you got all this, you got all this dirt in Boss Keen's hole." I oh, want you to dig it out. That scene is brutal. And then get all this dirt out of my yard, fill it back in. Yep. And you're like, oh, and he just keeps, like, yeah. oh my god. And then he, yeah, then he just gets to the point where he like they think they broke him completely. Yeah, and he steals the fucking car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Such a great movie. Yeah, because then the the that guy, I forget his name, the one who was always wearing the glasses, like lets him get the gun for him because he's convinced that he he has him completely under his control now. Yeah. Like, but, oh, we broke him. It's fine. Yeah. He's good to go. And the, <laughs> Here, take the keys. Bring the car around. He's yeah. Like, takes all, all the right. other keys and takes the car. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. Brilliant. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, um, hopefully we didn't spoil it to the point where you don't want to watch it now because even if you know it's coming, it's fucking awesome. Um, you should 100% watch this movie. It's, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll have to find um, – maybe we can just include this one in the playlist. But, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, all right, Dan, what is up next for you? Your top song from um, – well, that was performed in a movie. So my favorite song performed in a film comes from the 2007 movie Once. Um, it was sung by Glenn Hansard at the very opening of the film. Um, that this is title credit show, you know, screen fades in from black, and we zoom in on Glenn Hansard from across the street is singing this song by himself. He's got his little guitar case out for nickels, and the song starts very somber and very low of him strumming really soft, and then explodes into these 
these like questions and like shouts to the almighty like these like bellows into the heavens of like if there's if there's a message out there and if you have something for me and there is some plan just fucking let me know because like i'm dying here man and it's a great great scene um that introduces the other character of marketa erglova um into the film as well when she claps for him at the end and asks him if he wrote that song he says yeah and like he plays so hard that he like breaks two of his guitar strings during it and they keep that they keep that shot like they don't cut away and have him perform it differently uh this is the studio version that will be on the playlist that you can hear but in the film they keep the the missing strings so you can hear some of the notes that should be there and the chords aren't because he blew the string out and it's it's just it's so it's such a strong performance and such an incredible like like you feel like you're watching something you shouldn't you know what i mean like this guy's not performing for people he's performing for him and it's it's absolutely great she asks him like well how come you don't play these songs during the day these are brilliant he says because people wouldn't listen people want to hear songs they know and she goes i listened and he goes yeah but you gave me 10 cents <laughs> so he's like i gotta i gotta make money you know what i mean i can't just sing this stuff no one would care but he's completely wrong because it's such an immediately engrossing song. You can't look away. It's so great. Um, and the film is about, uh, he's a vacuum repairman who moonlights as a musician and is hoping to like, he's kind of just going nowhere. Like he's not even looking for a big break or anything. He's just kind of going in motion since losing his wife or girlfriend and meets this, uh, this Czech immigrant played by Marketa Erglova who is selling flowers on the same street where he performs and approaches him and asks him about writing songs. And she tells him that she's a piano player and they basically kind of start falling in love and developing a relationship, but it's not quite as straightforward as that. It's a little more, you know, there's a little more history to it where she has a child and a husband who's back in the Czech Republic. And he kind of is still in love with this ex-girlfriend ex-wife that he wants to go and find in in uh london and it's a really great really 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 great music film that if you haven't seen it i really recommend you do i know it's on like three streaming sites right now everybody when they ask me like oh what's your favorite music movie this is always my answer uh glenn hansard is an incredible songwriter and this movie is his like swan song it's so gorgeous and it also uh you may recognize the song from it uh called falling slowly that actually won uh the academy award for best original song over john williams so like that's pretty insane that everyone was like yeah this dude's songs are so good we gave it to him over the guy that wrote star wars et indiana jones like all the great scores you've heard ever pretty much yeah yeah, so Falling Slowly is – it's a great song, but it's, I haven't – right, wasn't able to listen to it for a few years because we, I would do karaoke all the time years ago. And there was this girl who I went to high school with. She sat next to me in English class, and her and I guess her boyfriend years later, you know, we're old enough to be at bars now would do this song at karaoke every week. And it was just like, they weren't bad, 
but it was just like what a bummer like it's, so, it's, like it's what really are you slow, doing somber song yeah it's, it's a uh, great beautiful song yeah. but it is there's a lot it's of not great a karaoke songs. There's a lot of great beautiful songs that have no business being sung at karaoke. Yeah, like I don't want to hear somebody do Imagine at karaoke. No. Or, and uh, I definitely don't want to hear a bunch of celebrities doing it on fucking TikTok either. I, I had an old store. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking real legit. I had an old store manager when I worked at a toy store in high school, and he had some crazy story. He was actually one of the first people in the area to have karaoke machines. Oh, nice. Um, so they used to do like seven bars a week. He was telling me, he's like, dude, we were making like crazy money, killer. But he said he remembers when the 90s hit uh, and like all of a sudden every drunk asshole would want to come up and sing Pearl Jam's Black. Ew. And he would like, no, man. <laughs> They'd be like, come on, I'll give you like, I'll tip you 10 bucks. He's like, no, I'm not letting you kill this whole room's vibe. Yeah. Up here and singing that and, sad bastard song. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's no, definitely man. too. Yeah. Like, it's a great tune. We all know it's a great tune. But like. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's not a fun karaoke song. No. Like, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Great yeah. karaoke song. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That gets Chris Tucker dancing. You know yeah. what doesn't get Chris Tucker dancing? Falling slowly. Or like, oh, I want to sing Bruce Springsteen. And you're like, oh, cool. Born in the USA or like, you know, or, uh, you know, Dancing in the Dark. No, I want to sing Atlantic City. Yeah. I'm going to no. do I'm on Fire. No, man. You're not singing a song from Nebraska. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Also, yeah. Dave, fuck you for that. I'm on fire because I love to sing that at karaoke. It's I slow. Do, I love to do my Bruce voice. <laughs> I know it's slow. Then do Rosalita. That's a bummer song to do at karaoke. I'm going to say it. I'm going to take you high. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, that's a bummer song. <laughs> it's a bummer song. It's got that fun little... It kind of, yeah. Yeah. No, no, all right. No. I mean, I'm. I've you don't the, have to stop. But I've I'm, been to karaoke five times, so like, oh, you're okay. definitely the authority here. Um, we need we need to rent out that Korean barbecue karaoke oh, room yeah. again. Yeah, we should definitely yeah. do that again. If you're listening and want to join us, let us know. You're invited. Yeah. Open invite. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dude. I I didn't mean to like derail that song because it's beautiful. The the movie's great. That song's beautiful. So yeah, with that, uh, Dave, what is your number one pick for? Song performed in a movie. All right. Up at number one for me is Johnny B. Good, originally performed by Chuck Berry, but in this case, most famous for being the song that Marty McFly sings at the end of Back to the Future. Just. It, it's an oldie, it's, but a goodie. It's a classic scene. Every, everything that leads up to it is great. It's just like the climax of the movie. He, it's. Everybody's seen Back to the Future. This is knows. Yeah, every, yeah. Marvin, Marvin Barry. Barry. Yeah, it's so great. yeah. He breaks his hand fighting off. Uh, was he fighting? Was that guy fighting Biff? I don't remember. No, so he was getting Marty out of the trunk. That's right. He was trying to get Marty out of the trunk and broke his hand. Biff locked him in the trunk of their car. That's right. And he had a screwdriver, and he was trying to like Jimmy the lock, and it got his hand. Yeah, and that yeah. So he couldn't. So Marvin Barry is now injured, can't play. But as you've seen throughout the movie. Marty can play guitar. He's, that's the first thing you see about Marty is he turns the amp on as loud as it can go and blows himself halfway across the room before um, Huey Lewis and the News comes on. Um, and so he's in the past, in the 50s, thinks this is an appropriate song, even though he calls it an oldie, which is hilarious. They don't have it's any idea. It's oldie where I'm from. Yeah. They don't have any idea. He starts fucking slaying on guitar, then takes it a little bit too far. And plays like a very modern sounding solo yeah. that they clearly Doing are like not an Eddie Van loving. Halen yeah. finger tap. <laughs> yeah, they're just not feeling it all. Um, 
but he just he just crushes it. And I don't know, is that his voice? Do you know? Singing in it? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know He's either. Going to know that. Yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where like I could very easily look that up, but that might ruin something for me. So I don't want to know if. As far as I'm concerned, here. that's Michael J. Fox. Yeah, that Sam is still real, and that's Michael J. Fox singing. But it's not, it's not a lip sync because it's somebody else's voice. So that counts yeah. for me. Um, yeah, just just slaying it up there on guitar, just dancing, and 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 the fact that it like. It, you're led to believe from this movie that him going back in time and playing this song is how this time or how this song is invented is fucking yeah. hilarious. Here's that, you know, that new sound you were looking for? Well, well listen, listen to, to this. this. Yeah, then, and, and then, then when he gets done, he's like, that might be a little too new for you guys, but trust me, your kids are going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's so good. Yeah, it's such a great movie. Did you ever hear the, so not to derail, but I mean, yeah, I'm derailing. So John Mulaney does a really funny bit about pitching back to the future okay. and what that must have been like and he's like so check this out this kid whose best friend is a 70 year old scientist yeah who is immediately killed by a very racist depiction of middle easterners yes goes back in time and they're like oh man what does he do does he like stop the kennedy assassination or does he like do anything no but he does almost fuck his mom he sure does and they're like and he's like, what studio said yes to this movie? Yeah. Like, what What on paper makes you go, this is going to be a classic film? It, it is. It's, it is. It, 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 you're right. It doesn't sound like it should no. work. But that's the exact kind of movie I would I would greenlight. I remember on one of those, like, I love the 80s shows, they were like, the only thing the 80s loved more than the year 2060 was the year 1950. Yeah, they did, they did not want to be there. I they think it was, the, it was the Reagan... The Reagan folks, you know, Maybe. I mean? that <laughs> that throwback to like, oh, like, you know, oh, like we got a white man in charge again. Everything's like it was that like that want that desire to go back to that puritanical time when the, oh, everything was so much simpler. Yeah, and, you could just walk anywhere and leave your doors unlocked. Yeah, like which you never could. People always got murdered. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, serial killers existed around those times and yeah. always have. Yeah, I mean, obviously the big boom was after Vietnam, but sure, sure, yeah. and the what's it called, the uh, the MK Ultra test that a lot of people attribute uh -oh. to. Uh oh, are we about to go down a really strange conspiracy theory path? Chemtrails, I, crop circles. Speaking of conspiracy theories, I saw one about this movie that um, implies that Doc was suicidal and that he was trying to kill himself the entire time, and that it actually working was an accident. Because they think that he was setting that that murder up intentionally, um, and I can't remember why Marty was involved, but he was. Wow. Yeah, but that like basically everything in Doc's life had gone to shit. He had never actually invented anything of note at that point. Yeah, yeah. So like, because like, if you think about it, yeah, he didn't he he didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, he's a brilliant inventor, scientist who has done nothing. Yeah, so they 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 think that that's the reason that he made that plutonium deal with the. Uh, I forget what country they were. Are they Chechenian? It's like something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something, yeah, something. They just picked, they spun a map and were like, that sounds right. Also, like, really bold of them to just roll up outside of their van already with their guns out. Yeah. Like, In anyone. A fucking, like, mini mall parking lot. Yeah, like, lights everywhere. Everyone <laughs> yeah, could see yeah. that. And it was it's a, not a dark back alley. They're, like, out front of a Yeah. Costco. Like, what if there was just, like, a cop on that street? You couldn't couldn't circle around the whole thing twice before you did that. Well, you got to think, if it's, if it's Middletown... 
like Nebraska or whatever, like how many towns, how many cops does that town have? Not one? enough, clearly. Because <laughs> yeah. an enough old man almost got, got they got Chechnyans invading. Yeah, shooting. People First of all, out. you got you got shady plutonium deals going around, going down in shopping malls. Yeah, no one's keeping tabs on this mad scientist yeah. that lives in a barn by himself. That's never invented anything that you've seen? What do you think he's doing all he's day? He's never been married and he's hanging out with a high school kid. Oh, yeah. Maybe we could think about that, too. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe that's where we'll end it. Well, that's that's a conclusion for the ages. Um, so, again, that is our combined top ten songs where somebody performs them in a movie. Um, let us know what you think. We definitely probably miss some because there's a lot of these and it's hard to, to narrow these down. So hit us up on social media. Let us know what you liked, disliked about this one and what some uh, some misses are for you. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D&D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at, at Lukewarm Steve Austin. On Instagram and Dave at at DF Hughes Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you'd like to hear this week's songs without any of our witty banter or input, uh, the weekly playlist can be heard on Spotify. Search under D&D Music Factory for playlists and you can subscribe to make sure you get notified when the list comes up each week. All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.